Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM presents Gridiron Forecast, a weekly roundtable discussion podcast centered around the complex world of fantasy football. Now here's your host, Nick Rizzo. Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. Hope everyone out there is having a great day, a great week. I'm Nick Rizzo alongside Jack Miller, and this is episode one of the Gridiron Forecast podcast, a podcast all about fantasy football, discussing the week ahead, the week that was behind us, and even take a look at the season ahead on some rest of season outlooks as well. And so far this fantasy season up to week four, it's been a wacky year, Jack, definitely. For sure. it's it, You can't trust any running back at this point and uh i mean a lot of receivers are stepping up um in those roles and i mean just a lot of craziness uh i won't get too deep into it but uh we will later on in the show though absolutely jack mentioned that not getting much consistency out of running backs especially early drafted running backs running backs drafted in that first second round christian mccaffrey alvin kamara derrick henry just to name a few guys who aren't being as consistent and as explosive as we've seen them be in years past. And that's not that's not even limited to those guys, too. You could throw Dalvin Cook into that equation as well. Could throw even Joe Mixon into that equation. He's gotten yeah. the workload but hasn't been able to put up that many points yet. But this is with the exception of Saquon Barkley and Nick Chubb. Saquon Barkley and Nick Chubb, two guys that have lived up to their ADPs thus far this season. Saquon looking like his old self. Nick Chubb, the real anchor in that run-heavy Browns offense. So those are two guys that have lived up to their early draft expectations. But, Jack, I mean, it's really been crazy. No consistency. In your eyes, which running backs will be the first to break out and be their consistent self, specifically ones that were drafted in the first and second round? So, I mean, honestly, the biggest surprise – to me is Saquon being consistent I thought he'd be injured by this point <laughs> but uh he's actually doing really well um they figured they figured out that Daniel Jones uh isn't that great of a quarterback so they just give it to Saquon and let him work and he hasn't gotten injured yet and he's doing really well he's getting back into his normal self so but going into um players that I think are going to at least somewhat get back into their normal form I think Jonathan Taylor will get back into his normal form as he did uh as he was last year uh, he the Colts offense they're just trying to figure out themselves they're trying to figure out how Matt Ryan likes to work and uh, all that stuff and they will eventually realize that their best receiver best receiver is Michael Pittman and that's not a great number one receiver to have so you want to rely on Jonathan Taylor so I think Jonathan Taylor will get there eventually I do not like Christian McCaffrey uh, I do have him in a few leagues and that's honestly one of the biggest regrets because uh, I think that Baker is going to want to be the star quarterback and want to show off his arm. That's just who he is. And I don't think that they're going to dump it off to uh, Christian McCaffrey either on the run or on a screen pass as they used to under uh, Matt Rule. So uh, I don't think that CMC is going to be the number one running back or our running back one as we saw in the past few years. And I think he's just going to be uh, an average running back to maybe flex um, going on in towards the middle of the season. Uh, I do like Cordell Patterson. 
Patterson is one of my favorites. I picked him up in waivers last year, and I drafted him in a few leagues uh, in this in uh, this year. I'm in currently five leagues, um, and then uh, Cordell I have in one of my, I think in an eight-person league, and he's doing great for the Falcons. Mario did not that great of a quarterback. I mean, he's doing... Uh, he's doing good. I honestly do have. Uh, I'll, I'll talk about Mariota later, but uh, uh, they realize that Mariota isn't um, as great as he used to be with the Titans. So they're going to dump it off to Cordell on a short pass. Uh, and so for PPR and any regular league, he uh, he will do well. And he was named NFC Offensive Player of the Week this past week. So uh, he's doing well. I do like James Robinson. Uh, James Robinson is great. Uh, he's doing well with the Jags. And Trevor Lawrence is relying on him on those screen passes as well. So I love James Robinson. And I do like Brees Hall. I have him in one wow. league on my bench. But I do like Brees Hall because I think that they're going to realize that the quarterback situation is a little sketchy. Even though Joe Flacco's throwing like 50 times a game, yeah. um, I think they'll realize that they have to rely on their running backs, throw it short or give it to them on the run. And uh, they can definitely get you some yardage uh, after contact when they have the ball, all that stuff. So I do like Brees Hall um, for and all these other guys that I mentioned um, for the running back stuff. And I think especially Jonathan Taylor will definitely get back into his normal form as he was. They just the offense. They just got to uh, figure it out. So and they beat the Chiefs. So I mean they're figuring out something a little bit. So absolutely. And talent rules on the football field, right, ladies and gentlemen. Brees Hall. Talent will ultimately prevail, according to Jack Miller. Yeah. Going back to your Saquon take, I, I completely agree. In my league, I personally drafted Javante Williams over Saquon yeah. in, in the second round. I think we pretty round. much all would have. <laughs> right. And just going back to your point, I mean, Saquon has opened my eyes, too. I was not expecting him to get off to this kind of start. Me neither. I mean, I really had to put it in the question of whether how much he had left in the tank going into this season, but contract year he's come out hot for sure and I also love your take about Cordell Patterson the Falcons offense looks like they're running fully through Cordell Patterson and he I mean last season he burst onto the scene out of nowhere kind of kind of had a bit of a decline towards the end of the season you know I, I think it's fair to question whether or not that'll happen this season and how quickly it'll happen but for now definitely reaping the benefits Cordell Patterson owners and most likely got him in your draft as your RB3 or 4 as well. So that's definitely paying off for managers. Personally, I think Dalvin Cook will be fine. I'm not hitting the panic button on Dalvin Cook quite yet. This this Vikings offense has been kind of weird the past few weeks. Yes. First, yes. week one against Green Bay, you have that Jefferson explosion. Not really many much of, excuse me, much other offense to go around there. And then week two, I mean, Philly's front seven, I mean, just absolutely dominate on the Vikings offensive line, which is no knock on the Vikings. Philly's defensive line has been elite for the past three or four seasons, so kind of to be expected there. And then last week, we kind of saw Dalvin Cook start to get his workload back. He had 17 carries for 96 yards. That was before he exited with an injury, which we will get to in a little bit. But overall, Dalvin Cook, not too concerned. Coach Kevin O'Connell stated going into Week Three's game that he wants to get Cook going better. He wants to get him more involved, have him be that bell cow back in the offense. So I think it's just a matter of time before Dalvin Cook vaults back into top 10, even top 5 status for fantasy owners. Jonathan Taylor, I agree with your take there. I think he'll be just fine. 
had that huge week one game for Taylor. Has kind of fallen off the past couple of weeks since then, but like you mentioned with the Colts offense, just trying to still figure stuff out. You got a new quarterback there, new situation. I think the Colts will definitely lean on the run as they have as they did last season. I'm expecting them to continue that trend this season, and Jonathan Taylor will be a beneficiary of that. Austin Eckler is another guy I'm looking at, drafted in the top three or five in most fantasy drafts. He's still getting receiving work. He got 10 targets in week two, eight targets week three. He's still getting the receiving work. A lot of that has had to do with Chargers game script for the past couple of weeks, but nonetheless, Austin Eckler, one of, if not the best pass catching running back in football. And he's proven that he still has his receiving role intact for that Chargers offense. So Austin Eckler, I'm fully expecting a top five finish from him this season. And now we start to enter some guys where I get into the middle ground and also am hitting the panic button on these guys. Yeah. Some guys that I'm in the middle ground are is Aaron Jones and Derrick Henry. Aaron Jones, mm-hmm. we saw him explode in week two, and he's going to have those games, of course, but A.J. Dillon being in that backfield, it just limits the upside for both of those backs. Aaron Jones, it, 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 was, like a ta- it was definitely a tale of two weeks from week one to week two. Week one... Barely got any touches, barely put up any fantasy points. And then week two, he's back to his efficient self, explosive, scoring touchdowns. And I'm not really expecting him to be really consistent with that, with A.J. Dillon being in the backfield and also with the potential inconsistencies with the Packers offense this season as well. You know, Rodgers doesn't really have the weapons that he did in years past. With that being said, he will have to lean on these running backs, but any given week it could be either guy. So expecting Aaron Jones to be a little inconsistent. Derrick Henry as well, expecting him to be extremely boom-bust, and it all really depends on this Titans offense. We saw Derrick Henry look like his old self in Week 3, put up 25-plus fantasy points for fantasy managers, but the previous two weeks he put up less than 10 points. Yeah, And... You know, week three, we saw him catch five passes, which, as we know from Derrick Henry in the past, can't really expect that on a week-to-week basis. And this Titans offense, you know, losing A.J. Brown, that's a huge loss for Derrick Henry as well. This Titans offense just isn't what it was in years past, and I think Derrick Henry will definitely take a hit, especially coming off the injury. I'm not expecting Derrick Henry to be his explosive top three self this fantasy season and then we're we enter the players where i start to hit the panic button yeah (laughs) and one of them is one of the players that you mentioned christian mccaffrey Mm -hmm. starting to hit the panic button a little bit on christian mccaffrey in my opinion does not possess the upside that he once did in this just absolutely putrid panthers offense led by baker mayfield not that many touches not that many points to go around here Christian McCaffrey hasn't been efficient this season. He's basically been relying on workload for the first three weeks, and his snap count has gone up. His touches have gone up within the first three weeks, but just like I said, not really his explosive self as we've seen in years past, and it's starting to concern me, especially since he popped up on the injury report once again this week, which we will get to. But another player that I'm hitting the panic button on is Najee Harris. And I hit the panic button on him well before the season started. 
predicted he would not be a top ten fantasy running back, wow. and it's it, it's proved it's it's proved well for me so far. Yeah. Najee just last season Najee relied on strictly touches and receptions from Ben Roethlisberger, who could not push the ball down the field whatsoever. This season, the targets and catches have gone significantly down. Mm-hmm. Still not his efficient self. Bad offensive line. You know, I, I saw a lot of people saying in during week three's Thursday night football game that, oh, Najee looks explosive. Najee looks like his old self. He's back. He's fine from the injury that he was dealing with earlier in the season. But then he still ends up with 15 carries for 56 yards and a pretty mediocre fantasy day. So with that being said, I I think that Najee, I don't think we've seen the best of him yet this season, obviously, but I think the best of him this season won't be 30, 40 point games. Yeah, I don't, I I do like that take. I mean, you don't see, you're not going to see him do that much this year. Um, What I think that like these guys need to, like the big guys like Chris McCaffrey, I want to put Dalvin Cook in the situation because of how much he just gets injured. Mm-hmm. Uh, Najee Harris, they need a good running back too. Like they need all the workload off of them. I mean, Dalvin Cook, they have Madison, but like you could have a running back like Zeke does with Pollard. Like if you could have a guy like like Pollard on your team, then I think they get a lot more comfortable, and then they don't have to push the ball as they might need to as they've had in the past, and pushing that like just trying the extra effort for them probably leads them to get them getting injured. They also could just be really delicate. They could be really fragile. But, um, I mean, you just need a good running back, too, for that team for in order for them just to at least be comfortable. And I think if you have a guy like Christian McCaffrey, this is what I'm going to try and do. I mean, I'm going to try and just try and use his big name and try and get two players out of him and try and trade for guys like Cordell. That people might think, oh, he just had a few breakout games. He's going to slow down. But I don't think he's slowing down. I think he's, if anything, he's going up. So um, I think you have to use that big name as a way to just finesse a sneaky star player like Cordell and maybe an extra, like, maybe receiver. Or if you need a quarterback, try and get a, a, a mid, like, a decent quarterback for, like, your backup. If, like, let's say you have, like, Josh Allen or Jalen Hurts or something, you need, like, like try and get like uh, Kirk Cousins or something or Mariota. Mariota, I have will um, as like a sneaky quarterback that you could that you could take. We'll t- I'll talk about that later. But um, well, you just need to use their big name just to try and see if you can finesse um, to just finesse some guy that could potentially have a great upcoming that you think could do great and have maybe an easy schedule um, coming up in the next few weeks and can or, and have are going up against defenses that. Don't that aren't good with the run game. So uh, I do think that you got to you just use their big names to your advantage, and you could probably get a really good trade out of it. Now I'm not sure how I feel about what I'm about to say. Okay. <laughs> Before week three, uh-huh. in my league, I traded for Christian McCaffrey. Oh. <laughs> I traded Javante Williams and Gabe Davis for Christian McCaffrey. Now, what exactly what you just said, using the big name to try and pry him off your team. Yeah. I, I fell for that one. Yeah. I uh, fell for that one. Yeah. You I, gotta that's what he pretty much did to you. <laughs> yep, <laughs> so, exactly. Yeah, and he got Javante Williams out of it. I mean, Javante Williams is doing is doing well, so I mean, kudos to him for trying to pull it off and it worked. I mean <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you gotta give credit where credit's due. But Christian McCaffrey, he he obviously still has upside, but let's lead let's lead into this next segment here 
we got some injury news. Christian McCaffrey and Dalvin Cook both back on the injury report before a quarter of the season is even finished. Dalvin Cook back on the injury report with, surprise, surprise, he has a shoulder injury, Jack. (laughs) An injury that he's dealt with for quite some time here in his time in the National Football League. Christian McCaffrey had a quad injury pop up after the Panthers' Week 3 win over the Saints. Now, Kevin O'Connell has said that Cook is expected to play with a brace on his shoulder. The practice reports today back that up, a full participant for Dalvin Cook in today's practice. Christian McCaffrey's status is unknown. Matt Rule refused to go any further on the injury with McCaffrey. McCaffrey has started off the week with two straight DNPs. He did not practice yet this week. Now, what I'm leaning towards here is should fantasy managers start to be concerned about these injuries and the fact that these two running backs just at this stage in their career that they just might not be able to handle a full workload anymore. Yeah, you gotta you gotta push the panic button. Um, you have to you gotta uh, use waivers to your advantage. I am a huge waiver user. Uh, I use waivers every time I can. And um, I told you before we even got on air that I use waivers pretty much uh, every week, and you, my bench will not look the same as it did the previous week, unless it's week one and week two. But um, but yeah, so I always use waivers to my advantage. Um, if Cook gets injured, you got to pick up Madison if you can. If uh, McCaffrey gets injured, you got to pick up Hubbard potentially if you want that. Um, me personally, I wouldn't want to pick up any Panther player on on that offense too, because that Panther team is a hot mess, and I wouldn't want to draft anyone from them, especially um, anyone from that Bears offense, unless it's a running back. Um, like I wouldn't dra- I wouldn't uh, pick up any receiver or anything from the Bears as well. But um, going back to running backs, I mean, you gotta you gotta hit the panic button on them. I mean, you just gotta pre- be prepared um, for these guys getting injured, and if you and if you want to be prepared, you got to pick up their backups. You got to pick up Madison for Dalvin Cook. You you can draft. You can pick up Hubbard. I wouldn't pick him up. I would try and see if you can get um, another guy that could be potentially on waivers. Um, like uh, let me go to my ten person league. Like, you got to try and pick up. See if you can get uh, Burkhead, who's the backup for uh, Houston Tech, uh, Houston Texans. Uh, you got to see if you can pick up McKissick, who always gets up uh, some receptions in each game, probably at least three a game. So you got to just uh, scope it out, make sure um, they, they always use Madison once Dalvin Cook gets out and use him like he is Dalvin Cook. So uh, Dal- uh, you got to pick up Madison if Dalvin Cook goes down once again with another shoulder injury, as we've seen pretty much every year, Nick. <laughs> yeah, so. basically. And I like your point about Hubbard as well. Like, I'm not totally comfortable with picking him up if you're no. a CMC owner. Just because last season when CMC was injured, Hubbard did not move the needle for this offense whatsoever. Exactly. Average. Which is why they need a good running back, too, so they can have right. a good running back that can hold that load. Because you know if Zeke goes down, Pollard can hold that load. 100%. And it's becoming more and more clear and obvious that Chris McCaffrey is no longer a 400-touch player in a season. Yeah. And Chubba, Chubba Hubbard, like as mentioned previously, last season didn't do great, averaged just over three yards a carry in McCaffrey's absence. Personally, I'm not overly concerned about Cook's injury, kind of just switching gears back to Cook for a second. Immediately after the game, Kevin O'Connell said that Dalvin Cook would play in week four. So that's automatically a good sign. As previously mentioned, a full participant in practice today on this fine Thursday. However, once he is out on the field. I am a little bit concerned about 
Madison potentially eating into his workload a little bit, even with Cook fully healthy and on the field. Just because, you know, Dalvin Cook is becoming more and more evident every single year that he might be another one of those guys that just can't sustain a full workload, a full 300 to 400 touch season. So I'm kind of expecting the Vikings to get Madison more involved here as they have in the past with Cook on the field. Yeah, they kind of have to at this point. you got to make sure that Madison is comfortable with some of that workload that Dalvin Cook has to offer and uh, also just be able to honestly potentially take the entire workload that Dalvin Cook has because, you know, the chance of him getting injured is pretty high. I mean, each season he's pretty much gotten injured um, as he's been with the Vikings his entire career. I mean, you just got to expect it. Absolutely. We're going to take a quick break here on Gridiron Forecast. Stick around. When we come back, we'll be addressing some pass-catching news for Week 4. One forty-five over ninety-two. One eighty over one eleven. I had a heart attack and a cardiac arrest, and then a stroke. Your blood pressure numbers could change your life. Lowering your high blood pressure could save you from a heart attack or stroke. If you've stopped your treatment plan, restart it, or talk to your doctor about creating one that works better for you. Start taking the right steps at manageyourbp.org. Now I'm, you know, trying to get better, stronger than ever. Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. The workday's done. It's time to hit the road. That's where Rowan Radio comes in and the ride at 5. Tune in from 5 to 6 p.m. for the music that matters and the songs you want to listen to. Give us a call or send us a text, and if we've got it in store, we'll play it over the air. But if you just can't get enough of the 70s, 80s, 90s, and beyond, let us pick the music while you drive. That's The Ride at 5, Monday through Thursday from 5 to 6 p.m. only on the station with more music than anyone else. Roman Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM. Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM. Nick Rizzo, your host of Gridiron Forecast, a fantasy football podcast, alongside Jack Miller. Just discussed some running back news for week four. Now we're moving on to some pass catchers. Specifically, starting off with some rookie wide receiver talk. Every year in the draft, Jack, seems like at least one rookie just absolutely explodes and wins people leagues. Some evidence early on in the season of who that may be this year. Chris Olave, he's been the air yards king so far this season. He's put together back-to-back 13 target games, most recently in week three, breaking out with a nine-catch, 147-yard game. Drake London over in Atlanta, he's been their most consistent pass catcher for Marcus Mariota. Garrett Wilson, he's beginning to break out for the Jets as well. So, Jack, I pose the question to you. Which of these late-round rookie wide receivers has the best chance to stay the most consistent over the course of the season and be the biggest league winner for managers? I think it's going to be uh, Drake London. I think Drake London, he's he's just great all around as a receiver, and I think that London will be that I'll say it, Jamar Chase of the of the league this year. Um, 
I mean, I last year I traded for Jamar Chase. That turned out very well. So as he had a he helped me out in the playoffs. He had like 40 plus points against the Chiefs. So uh, he did well um, for that entire Bengals team. Uh, and I think London will do the exact same thing. I don't think that the Falcons will get as far as the Bengals did, but I do think that London can help other people win leagues. And I do think that that Falcons offense is more uh, knows what they're doing more than what the Saints offense knows what they're doing more. That Saints offense is very confused. I want to put this out there. Sean Payton is a very, very, very good coach. And this Saints team looks lost. I don't think that their offense is producing as much as they should. I mean, Kamara has been on the down. Winston, I think a lot of people had him as a top 10 quarterback this year. I don't have him there, and he's not doing well either. So I do think that uh, Olave will probably is doing well, but I don't think he's going to do as great as London will. I think Drake London is doing uh, great as a rookie, and he's probably the if you picked him up in your draft. I wish I did because I don't draft any rookies usually. Uh, that's always a big scare for me because I don't know what they're going to do and how teams will use them. Uh, that's for any rookie. So um, I wish I picked up London, and um, maybe I might trade for him. Who knows? But uh, we'll see if we can use the big names as I was talking about earlier to sneak some people in. So I'm going to counter your point there about the Saints' offense. I actually think that. The Saints perhaps have the most functioning offense out of these three teams. Really? Okay. The Falcons, I, I feel like they're just going to be extremely matchup dependent. If you match up the Falcons against a team like the Rams, which they did play back in week two, it, it's not going to go that well for them. It's not going to go that well for their pass catchers. Drake London did have a great game against the Rams, but I, I'm just a little worried about the consistency with Marcus Mariota, as you should be with all these quarterbacks, however. But this leads me into my answer. I think it'll be Chris Olave. I think the Saints just have the most efficient offense out of the out of the three teams. I think Atlanta, like I said, extremely matchup dependent. I trust the Saints to go out there any given week and put up a better offensive performance than Atlanta. I think Jameis Winston is better than Marcus Mariota. I think Sean Payton. For sure, yeah. I think Sean Payton's a much better coach than Arthur Smith over in Atlanta. And Olave, he's shown that he has that deep ball connection with Jameis Winston. And, you know, that that means a lot. Jameis Winston, a former 5,000-yard passer. Well, once, he, once you get going with him, it, it's hard to look back. Olave, I believe, has the most upside out of all three of these receivers season long just because, you know, he's already been showcasing it throughout the first three weeks. A high volume of targets, a lot of deep balls. Drake London, I feel like, might be slightly more consistent than Olave. Yeah. But I think Olave, any given week, just has that upside to just win your matchup for you with the uh, with the deep ball connection he has with James Winston. Yeah, I I I do kind of agree. I think that they will use. I think oh, London will be more consistent. But I do want to say, like, no, none of these guys are popping out as Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson. Absolutely. In their rookie year, like, I don't think. I genuinely don't think that none of these receivers are going to break out into a wide receiver one. I think they can remain as a flex wide receiver two, uh, depending on certain leagues. So I don't think that they're going to turn into a sneaky wide receiver one like Chase did last year. I think a lot of people had him as wide receiver two, and then he eventually went into wide receiver one. And, I mean, people drafted him top six uh, this year. So, um, so I think that none of these guys aren't star potential 
quite yet. We haven't seen that yet from both these guys, but um, but both of them, uh, I think, will do. Will will both have a great season. Um, both Olave, London, and Wilson. Um, it's just that I don't see them uh, breaking out anytime soon yet. They could. They could prove me wrong, but I don't see them breaking out uh, quite yet so far this season. Yeah, well, us NFL fans got extremely blessed to watch Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase's rookie seasons back-to-back. I mean, that's just once in a lifetime. I mean, we may never see this type of production out of rookie wide receivers ever again. I mean, they Mm -hmm. both have just shattered records in in the early stages of their careers. But... There are there's still plenty of time for other late round targets and drafts to make an impact for your fantasy team it's a long season. So outside of these three rookie wide receivers, what other late round guys do you think have the potential to break out and potentially win leagues for managers? I think that uh, I'm I'm not going to say he can win leagues, but I do like Julio. I like Julio mm-hmm. uh off waivers. He was in waivers in one of mine um and I, I think he's going to do good. I don't think he's not going to be the wide receiver one of that Buccaneers team. But I think him not being the wide receiver one is going to be good for him because he's always used to, especially with his time in the Falcons, always used to being uh, guarded by the number one cornerback. Now he's going to be guarded by the number two cornerback because, or number three uh, if Godwin's in. And uh, so I think Julio uh, will do good. Uh, winning leagues, I'm going to say I think Adams can probably get back into his form. Mm-hmm. I don't think Carr and Adams have that connection yet. I mean, he did he did fine in I th- I think it was week 3. I was just making sure I'm correct and uh he yeah, he did fine or he did fine week 1. He had 30 30.1 points and then he fell off against Arizona and then tried to bring it back with 14 of his own from Dev- uh for against the Titans. But I think Adams can probably get back into it. They play the chart or the Buccaneers this week. Um, and I think they can probably just – you can potentially win people some leagues. I think another person, A.J. Brown, he can win people leagues. I mean, that Eagles team, not like this is not a – like I am an Eagles fan, but I'm not trying to be biased. I do think this Eagles team is like – that offense is scary. And I feel like they've only had to try in the second quarter, and they, they scored 24 points in each uh, second quarter that they've played. Um, in this season, so in three weeks, so and they haven't really had to try to against, uh, but against the Lions they had to, but like against the Vikings, they didn't have to try because their defense is so good. Like they don't have to be producing points in that second half. So I think AJ Brown, like and Devontae Smith, can be winning people leagues this year. And I also do think Waddle. He won leagues for me last year. Um, I think Waddle is a great guy. He's a wide receiver too. He's he's currently questionable, but. With uh, him being the wide receiver two instead of being the wide receiver one, which he did great at, I think he can definitely win people leagues as well. So, um, but I do also like if you're picking up a guy on waivers for receivers, Brandon Cooks. I mean, mm. he didn't he fell off a little bit, but that's just the Texans. I mean, he's going to be a little inconsistent here and there, but I do think he's a great wide receiver one. And I mean, it's it's the Texans, and he's the only receiver for that Texans team that can produce uh, for them. So, uh, Brandon Cooks, if you're looking for someone. Uh, pick up, pick up Brandon Cooks. He he'll do you some he'll do you some good. Absolutely, great points there, Jack. I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with the rookie route here. Okay. Of wide receivers, late round wide receivers that can potentially break out and win your league. So far, admittedly, has not shown much on the field. 
aside from one absolutely spectacular catch on Thursday Night Football. <laughs> George Pickens, okay. a late-round wide receiver who I believe if he gets the opportunity, if he gets the targets, he will showcase his talent and emerge as the number one receiver for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, just Ooh. an absolute physical specimen. Hot take. <laughs> you, you know that he has the talent. You he know does. He does. You're he not has wrong. the talent. He definitely showcased it with that one-hand Odell-esque grab on Thursday Night Football last week. I mean, if he could just make plays, he needs to be put in a position to make plays like that consistently. And Mike Tomlin, I mean, he is no scrub. I know for sure oh, yeah. that he realizes that. He realizes what he has with George Pickens out on that field. I think eventually George Pickens is going to break out, whether it be with Mitch Trubisky, Kenny Pickett. Eventually, he's going to get the targets, and he's going to get the volume to break out and be a difference maker, not only for the Steelers, but for your fantasy teams. Now, let's switch gears a little bit. Two guys that got drafted, one in the first round, one in the very early second round, Justin Jefferson and Devontae Adams. Both of these guys absolutely exploded in week one. Mm -hmm. Absolutely exploded. The past two weeks, they have been wildly underwhelming. Whether it's because the defensive attention was all on them, whether it was because of their quarterback play, who knows. But the deal is, they did not live up to expectations in weeks two or three. So the, the question that I pose here. Do you do fantasy managers have a right to be concerned that these two players will be inconsistent throughout the season and then ultimately not live up to their draft position? I don't think that neither of these guys I think these guys will be a little bit more inconsistent this year. I think Adams will be less inconsistent than Justin Jefferson. Here's the thing with Justin Jefferson. Um I think last year um Justin Jefferson was guarded by the number 2 cornerback and because I think he didn't break out as uh, that yet. Uh, he didn't break out yet. So they all had the cornerback two on him, and they put the cornerback or cornerback one at on Thielen. So I think that that's why he was able to break out a lot more because a lot of teams didn't know if he was going to consistently be this good or if he was like this this guy that just breaks breaks out every once in a while or or what. But now he's being guarded by the cornerback one, and I mean. Against the Eagles, I mean, he, he he got locked down by Darius Slay. I mean, you can't—and there's also really bad play calling um, from the Vikings in that game as well. So I think you, that Eagles team's just really good, but I do think that Justin Jefferson will get back into form uh, going later into the uh, these coming weeks. Um, and I think Adams will also get a—he had a really good connection at Fresno State with Derek Carr, and he, they just got to figure it out. I mean, they're 0-3 right now, but— I think they eventually will. Um, I mean, honestly, what's what's really weird, Nick, is like the entire AFC West is not doing as great as we thought. I mean, right. we all thought they were going to be this dominant team. I mean, the Chiefs are still doing good, but like Chargers, Broncos, and Raiders are all below 500. I mean, well, Broncos are two and one, but um, uh, but like the Raiders and Chargers are both under uh, 500, which is not what we expected. Especially, we did not expect the Chargers to lose to the Jaguars by 38 to 10. So. Um, but I do think Adams will come back together eventually. And Justin Jefferson, I mean, he's got New Orleans. I mean, he's got Lattimore this week. But then he's got to go against Chicago, Miami, Arizona, Washington. I mean, those aren't – I mean, they have Xavier on Howard on, on the Dolphins, but they're not that great – they're not teams with great corners. 
So I think he eventually will come back into form as he was in week one. Absolutely, and this is not a knock on these two guys whatsoever. I feel like it's more about their offenses that they're involved with. Yes. The target volume is always going to be there for these two guys. Uh, Even Devontae Adams with his two underwhelming weeks, we've seen the Raiders scheme up plays for him near the goal line. He has scored a touchdown each in the past two weeks. So it's not a matter of target volume or talent. To me, it's just a matter of whether their quarterbacks can get them the ball. Kirk Cousins, can he get Justin Jefferson the ball in tight coverage? You know Justin Jefferson is going to have the full attention of the defensive secondary. So it's just a matter of if Kirk Cousins can get it to him consistently. Same thing with Devontae Adams and Derek Carr. Derek Carr, in my opinion, a very underrated quarterback. But for him to separate himself from the tier that he's in right now, he needs to be able to get his playmakers the ball. And which he he did make a nice throw to Devontae Adams last week on that touchdown. Weaved it in between double coverage there. I need to see more of that from Derek Carr to Devontae Adams. I do believe that these two guys will be weekly top five options still. Even maybe borderline top five. But they will definitely be wide receiver one options every week. But I am expecting some inconsistencies out of them as the season goes along. I totally agree, yeah. So now switching gears once again, Marquise Hollywood Brown, one of his best games as a pro in week three, going 14 catches, 140 yards on 18 targets. Now, of course, this is without one of the best receivers of this generation, DeAndre Hopkins. Hopkins serving a six-game suspension to start the season for a violation of the NFL's performance enhancing drugs policy so where i'm going with this segment hollywood brown what's his outlook once deandre hopkins comes back will will less defensive attention be able to outweigh less targets will he be a consistent wide receiver two option or will he be extremely boom bust i mean i think he'll be boom bust to be honest i think that hopkins once he comes back is going to be a lot of it's going to be in a lot of uh it's going to be all the attention is going to be on him I think it's just going to be every once in a while he's going to be like, oh, I'm going to go to Brown more. And then with certain games he's going to be like, I'm going to go to Hopkins more. But uh, Brown is really good in the slot, which is where he likes to be. And I think once Hopkins gets back, he'll be more comfortable. I have him in one of my leagues, but I have him on my bench because I have I have uh, Debo Samuel and Deontay Johnson, and then I have T. Higgins as well for my receivers. So, I mean, he I think he's honestly right now is boom bust. I mean... He's he's not as consistent mm-hmm. as we thought he would be. Um, I mean, he had a great game last week, but with 28 points. But I think he, at this point, he's just boom bust, and you kind of have to pray if he's if you put if you do start him, that he will be a boom for you that week. And I think it's just going to be more more of that boom bust once DeAndre Hopkins comes back. Yeah, and Marquise Brown never really been a guy to hog targets. He's kind of always been more of like the deep ball threat guy. Mm-hmm. And I think we're going to see more of that once DeAndre comes back. He hasn't really – we haven't really seen a deep ball connection yet from Hollywood Brown and Kyler Murray. Yeah. I think that's going to become more of the norm once DeAndre Hopkins comes back because I feel like defenses right now definitely trying to prevent the deep ball to Hollywood Brown. He is – their best pass-catching weapon on the team at the moment, certainly. But Hopkins, he's definitely going to hog some of the targets that Marquise has been getting. Marquise, two out of the three games so far, has received double-digit targets. Once DeAndre Hopkins comes back, I'm not really expecting him to command that type of uh, those type of targets, but 
At the same time, you could also make the case that this is a pass-heavy team. Kyler Murray has just been absolutely slinging it for the first few weeks of the season. But I, I do think Hollywood will be slightly boom-bust. But as mentioned, I think there's enough volume to go around in this offense for Hollywood Brown to be a consistent wide receiver two or three option for fantasy managers. Yeah, I kind of agree with that as well. All right, we're going to take another quick break here. When we come back, we will be addressing the quarterback situation for fantasy football managers this week. Stick around here on Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM. If I could be you. And you could be me for just one hour. If you could find a way. To get inside. Each other's mind. Walk a mile in my shoes. Walk a mile in my shoes. Walk Walk a mile mile in my shoes. shoes. We've all felt left out. And for some, that feeling lasts more than a moment. We can change that. Learn how at belongingbeginswithus.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Walk a mile in my shoes. Tune in to Rowan Radio for a community affair with me, WGLS-FM Public Affairs Director Megan Steckler. Each week, I'll discuss with local and national newsmakers topics that affect you and your community. Get a closer look at these important issues from the people who know them best. That's a community affair the third Saturday of every month at 9 a.m. right here on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM and also online at rowanradio.com. Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM. Some ACDC there, an absolute classic, Jack. Yes, I love me some ACDC. Brings me back to Madden 11 when uh, Thunderstruck was uh, one of the songs in in, uh, Madden 11. Oh, yeah. That was one of my favorite uh, uh, Maddens of all time. Bring back classic songs on video game soundtracks. Am I right? That is absolutely true. They need to because a lot of the stuff is just pop now or like rap and stuff and they need to bring back some of the some of the oldies to get you back into it, you know. Completely agree. All right, we mentioned wide receivers, we mentioned running backs. Now we're going to perhaps the most important position in your fantasy lineup, the one that regularly puts up the most points for your fantasy team, your quarterback. Yep. And we're going to start off here. Jalen Hurts has been a top three fantasy quarterback thus far this season. Love it. Other guys like Carson Wentz and Tua Tagovailoa creeping into the top five. Who expected that? Hurts went multiple rounds after top guys like Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, etc. While Wentz and Tua, either they went very late in drafts or they didn't get drafted at all. So does this prove, Jack, that the waiting for a quarterback strategy in drafts is king? Yeah, you just have to have you just have to know who you want to get once you go late because a lot of people they jump the gun like I had <laughs> I had my cousin draft Patrick Mahomes in the first round. So oh, uh, oh geez. Yeah, so I mean some people jump the gun really early and uh but some people you got to if you are waiting to or if you're willing to wait that long in the draft for someone you got to know if they're going to break out or not. I feel like a lot of people knew Tua was going to break out this year. He had uh, he has Tyreek Hill now and Jalen Waddle still. So 
I think we all kind of figured that it was either boom or bust for him, and I think it was more boom for him. And no one thought Carson Wentz was going to be as well as he did. He did have a very poor game against the Eagles, um, but he, and but the other two weeks he was doing great. I mean, I picked him up, and then I eventually dropped him because I picked up Marcus Mariota, um, who I want to bring up. I think Marcus Mariota can develop well, and I think that he's still learning because he played his backup for Derek Carr. And so I think he's still learning, and I think he eventually will um, be a consistent uh, quarterback if you're in like a 10, 12, 14-person league. Um, I have him currently as my starting uh, quarterback. I do want to say that also Trevor Lawrence, you can pick Mm -hmm. him up too. Mm -hmm. Looked great against the Chargers, uh, and he's been looking great uh, under Doug Peterson's wing. So I think these guys you got to invest in potentially. If you are struggling in the quarterback spot, like let's say Tua goes down again with another concussion, I think you got you got to go after these guys. I mean they they're looking pretty good um, in the quarterback spot. Yeah, absolutely. Those guys, Mariota, Lawrence, I love those guys in two QB super flex leagues. I think they're great options for you. But just shifting back to the draft strategy here, the the taking QB late strategy is very similar in my eyes to the zero running back strategy. Yeah, I feel like the strategy has a lot of upside but you have to make the right pick. For example, taking Jalen Hurts in the eighth round this year has paid off. Taking Russell Wilson in the eighth round this year has not paid off so far. So, like I said, uh, a lot of upside in the late rounds to take quarterbacks, even even in the later rounds, not even in the mid-rounds, like Trevor Lawrence, uh, Marcus Mariota, guys that you've mentioned, Tua Tagovailoa, Carson Wentz, and in previous years we've seen Lamar Jackson get drafted in the very last round. We've seen Patrick Mahomes get drafted in the very last round, and that worked out for fantasy managers in those seasons. So, you know, the the strategy has a lot of upside, but you definitely have to play your cards right and make the right selections. And speaking of Russell Wilson, that brings me into our next segment here. Russell Wilson has been struggling, to say the least, so far this season. QB 25 through three weeks, Denver's offense looks completely out of sync, something that very few people expected coming into this season. So, Jack, do you think it's time to panic on Russell Wilson in fantasy? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because you got, you got that heart. I mean, they're not doing well record-wise, but the AFC West, still a tough division. I don't think Russell Wilson's going to do that great. I mean, as you said, I mean, he was drafted with in the same round as Jalen Hurts in some leagues. I mean, He's not, but he's not performing as well as we thought he would. We thought he would be doing well with these young receivers, with uh, Judy and Sutton and all these guys. But we, but we thought he was be doing well. But I, you got to hit that panic button like now because you got to figure out who can be, who can you rely on more than Russell Wilson on those waiver wires. And that's why you got to figure if you want to take Trevor Lawrence or Jared Goff potentially, and or uh, Marcus Mariota and all those guys. Um, but you got to definitely Russell Wilson is definitely not I w- I would not start him if you have a backup QB personally. I don't I don't I really don't care who your backup is. I don't think you should start Russell Wilson no matter who he's playing. Yeah, and I mean we are still dealing with Russell Wilson here. He's a NFL legend, future Hall of Famer. Yep. I don't think he'll be this bad all season. I think he could still rise to top 10 to 12 status in fantasy. I'll cut you off. I I want to I, I think he's going to do better as a quarterback. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's going to do better in fantasy. Right. I think he's still going to be like mid-teens, 
one of those mid-teens, like high-teens kind of quarterback that would produce that many points that week. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree with you. I think his days as a top-five fantasy quarterback are long over. Yes. I think they're long behind him. It's slightly on him. He We've obviously seen a regression from Russell Wilson over the past couple of years here. But, you know, coaching has not helped him either. Back in Seattle, you know, the whole let Russ Cook saying, not perhaps not giving Russell Wilson enough opportunity to make plays in this offense. We're seeing it again this season with Nathaniel Hackett in Denver. People are already coming at Hackett for his play-calling decisions, you know, everything like that, everything that people do to kind of nitpick on coaches. It's happening with Nathaniel Hackett in Denver. Russell Wilson, I, I just he has the weapons to surround him, but I, I don't think that he'll be a consistent weekly winning upside quarterback for fantasy managers. All right, so we are going to take one more quick break here. When we come back, we're going to be doing some top 10 rankings at the position for week four, as well as our top five of the day. Stay tuned for that. You don't want to miss it. Here on Gridiron Forecast on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. If you came across someone struggling with hunger, how would you recognize them? Would you notice a 16-year-old boy who got his first job? Not for extra spending money, but to help feed his little sisters. Or a mother who's in between jobs and sometimes goes to bed hungry so her kids can have dinner. I am the one in eight Americans who struggle with hunger. I am hunger in America. Hunger can be hard to recognize. Learn why at IamHungerInAmerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. Tune in to the Roan Report every Saturday at 9.30 a.m. on Roan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. Join me, Allie Bruce, and the rest of the Roan Radio News Team as we bring you a recap of weekly news covering local, national, and international stories. Plus, we'll take a look at sports and entertainment news, too. For news around the region and around the world, listen to the Roan Report every Saturday at 9.30 a.m. on Roan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM and online at roanradio.com. Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. You're listening to the Gridiron Forecast podcast, a podcast all about fantasy football. I'm your host, Nick Rizzo, alongside Jack Miller. And Jack, another another nice filler there. Some, some <laughs> Sandman, an absolute classic once again. All right, so we're going to hop in here to some top 10 rankings for the week, starting off with the running back position. Take it away, Jack. Week four, top ten fantasy rankings for running backs. All right, first one, you have you have to pick them up. I don't care what league you're in. If it could be four, it can be 20. You have to pick up Khalil Herbert. Khalil Herbert uh, is going to do great because the Bears, they don't pass that often. They've I think they've only passed 23 times in three weeks total, total. So um, they love running the ball. Uh, Montgomery's out. Herbert they're going to use as Montgomery, and he's going to do great. Uh, Jamal Williams, uh, DeAndre Swift is out. You gotta, you gotta use him this week. 
Uh, I do like Andre, uh, or I do like Dylan uh, for the Packers. Um, as as you mentioned, like they split uh, uh, Jones and Dylan's workload um, into bits, but I do think Dylan, honestly, hot take, I think Dylan's the better running back in that situation. I mean, Jones does pop up, pop off every once in a while, but I do think Dylan is the better fantasy running back that you want to use in your league. Very hot take. So. I do like Pollard as well. Um, you got to pick up Pollard if you're th- if you're thinking waivers and stuff. Um, I know Pollard's not picked up in a lot of my leagues, um, so try and pick up Pollard, especially especially if you're in PPR. Uh, also, if no one, if he's not drafted uh, yet you, or not picked up yet, you got to get Brees Hall. Um, and I honestly I don't like Carter. I don't like Carter. I think they're going to use Brees Hall a lot more, and I think they can rely on Brees Hall more on that Jets in the uh, backfield for the Jets. Uh, I also don't like—I don't know how to say it—but it's. I think it's Etienne. I think it's um, Etienne. Yeah, Etienne. Uh, it's not. Uh, it's the Jaguars' backup running back. I don't like him. They have him ranked with like eight, nine points a week. I'm not the biggest fan of him. I think they're going to use James Robinson more. He's got more talent, and I think Doug will realize that. Doug Peterson, their coach. So I think they're going to use him. If you haven't dropped uh, Cam Akers, you got to drop Cam Akers. I mean, <laughs> you got to drop Cam Akers. He's not the the Rams offense is kind of a mess. And honest, in all honesty, like Matt Stafford isn't doing as well, and they're not really using the running game as much. So I don't like Cam Akers nor Henderson. You got to drop them. And also, do not rely on Eagles running backs. You can't because Miles Sanders. They like to use all their running backs. They like to like in um, the Detroit Lions game. They used all. They had four rushing touchdowns each by a different person: Jalen Hurts, Miles Sanders, Boston Scott, and Kenny Gainwell. So you can't trust them all because you don't know who's going to get more of the workload. Obviously, Sanders is the uh, the the main running back for that team, but he didn't perform as well as. I mean, he probably. I think he got the same amount of points as Boston Scott in in week three. So. Um, so you got you can't rely on the Eagles running backs uh, if you're looking for a pickup in your wider in your running back spot. I'm gonna switch gears here a little bit. Rank my top ten running backs for the week ahead. Week four fantasy football season. It's honestly pretty crazy that we're already approaching week four. Feels like I just drafted my team yesterday. But uh, just hovering outside the top ten here for the week, I have Javante Williams against Vegas. Uh, you know, still stuck in that committee with Melvin Gordon, not really expecting him to put up eye-popping numbers with Gordon limiting his upside. Number 10, I have Derrick Henry against the Colts. You know, like I said, extremely boom-bust. We have a we have a divisional matchup here. Don't think Derrick Henry, don't think we'll see a vintage game out of Henry in this one. Number 9, I have Cordero Patterson versus Cleveland entering the top 10 for the week. You know, had a career game last week. I expect him to keep it going against a Cleveland defense that performed well against Pittsburgh last week, but overall has been pretty inconsistent to start the season, so expecting Atlanta to lean on Cordell. Uh, Number eight, I have Aaron Jones against New England. You know, we just saw in week two Aaron Jones put up the game that he did. He always possesses possesses that pass-catching and touchdown upside. So I think the Packers overall, I think their offense is going to have a pretty good day against New England, and I think Jones will be a beneficiary of that. Number seven, I have Jamal Williams against Seattle. Yep. DeAndre Swift mm-hmm. looking more and more likely like he will miss week four's contest against Seattle. And that opens the door for Jamal Williams to come in and have a RB1 type of workload. 
And in the past, whether it was with Detroit or when he was with Green Bay, when Jamal Williams is thrusted into that role as the RB1, he performs for fantasy managers. So fully expect him to be an RB1 this week. Number six, this is all assuming health, of course. I have Christian McCaffrey against Arizona. Not cracking the top five this week. I just Arizona's a solid matchup, but yeah. as, as mentioned earlier, I mean, that Panthers offense is just it, it's pretty horrific. So nothing much you could do there if you're CMC besides try and maybe score a touchdown or two. And then Jonathan Taylor coming in at number five against Tennessee. Uh, looking to get Jonathan Taylor going a little bit if you're the Colts offense and Frank Reich. I think that they'll try to establish him in this game, and I think he's going to have a solid game, touchdown or two, 100 yards plus. He's definitely going to get, in my opinion, 20-plus touches this week, so expecting Jonathan Taylor to be established. Now, I know I was handing out some Najee slander earlier, <laughs> but I have him at my number four spot this week against the Jets. This is just an absolute smash spot for Najee Harris. If he can't do it against the Jets this week, then I'm just going to go ahead and say that my take was correct right then and there because yeah. the Jets, it doesn't get much better of a matchup than that. Steelers, as an offense in general, expecting them to bounce back fully this week against the Jets. Number three, I have Saquon Barkley against the Bears. As mentioned earlier, one of the more consistent running backs so far this season while also possessing league-winning upside. So Saquon Barkley, fully expect him to be featured by this Brian Dayball offense. Number two, I have Austin Eckler against Houston this week. Yeah, The receiving work has continued to be there for Eckler. Uh, another smash spot here against Houston. Houston has been perhaps the worst team in the NFL this season. So, again, just expecting a full Chargers bounce back this week on offense and defense. And Austin Eckler will be one of the main beneficiaries of that. And number one, the running back who I predict to have the best week, Nick Chubb versus the yep. Atlanta Falcons. Mm -hmm. Atlanta, another smash spot. They've been a smash spot. Uh, excuse me, a smash spot for the past five years perhaps so and Nick Chubb you know that Browns offense continuing to want to establish the run until Deshaun Watson gets back so Nick Chubb fully expecting him to have a heck of a week like he has the past two or three weeks to start off the fantasy season all right now let's switch over to wide receivers top 10 Jack take it away so I'm gonna go in order from one to ten so I have I mean, I think we can all expect Diggs to do amazing. <laughs> I mean, Diggs is one of the best wide receivers in uh, in this game, in the game of football, and he has to go against the Baltimore Ravens in Baltimore, and that Baltimore team hasn't done well against the pass this year, and I think Josh Allen and Diggs will take advantage of that. I do like uh, Higgins against uh, Miami. Xavier Howard will be against Jamar Chase, and I think Higgins, uh, he's, got a, he's going against the, cor uh, the cornerback too, so... Um, he's going. He's not going to. He's not going to be uh, as covered as Jamar Chase is. So I think he will do well against Miami tonight. I do like AJ Brown as well against Jacksonville. Jacksonville not doing that well against the pass as well. I mean they only gave up ten points last week, but um, I think the Eagles will still continue to dominate against their opponents. And Eagles have really easy schedule, um, and, and it includes against the Jacksonville Jaguars. So. And the Jacksonville uh, Jacksonville Jaguars are uh, are visiting the Eagles, so I mean, 
that's better for the Eagles in that situation. I do like Michael Pittman Jr. Um, Michael Pittman's going against Tennessee. I mean, they gave up three touchdowns to Stephon Diggs uh, in Week 2, and I think Michael Pittman can probably put up two against Tennessee, and it's a division rival too. So I think Michael Pittman will do well uh, for the uh, the Indianapolis Colts. Um, I do like Deontay Johnson, uh, and I also do like Marquise Brown, their opponents, the Carolina Panthers, and the New York Jets, not that not that great. Um, and I think they both can pop off for their teams as well. I do like I do really like this. I love the coming up of Curtis Samuel. He's been doing really well for the Commanders, and and they're playing Dallas this week. They've been doing w- decent uh, defensively, but uh, I do like Curtis Samuel in any matchup. I think you can honestly, if you have like in or you if you're in a twelve person league, you can probably put him in as your flex and you'd be fine. So uh, Curtis Samuel doing very well. And then lastly, I'm gonna I I like. I like Lockett. I mean, he's bound to have a breakout game at some point. I mean, most likely against Arizona. But um, oh, they're yeah. playing a Detroit team that defensively uh, in the cornerback situation, not doing that great. So I think that Lockett and probably Metcalf as well will take advantage of that. <clears throat> Excuse me. Take advantage of that uh, against the Detroit Lions. So I love that you threw Lockett in there. He has a history of just absolutely dominating the Arizona Cardinals. So... Fully expecting him to have a breakout game there as well. My list, I'm going to go from 10 to 1. Number 10, I have Jalen Waddle against the Bengals. Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill just forming that 1-2 punch. They've both been extremely productive to start off the season. And two attack of low has proved that he can support two WR1s in this offense. So fully expecting Jalen Waddle to keep it up here. Number 9, I have Debo Samuel against the Rams. A pretty tough matchup for Debo here or else he probably would have been higher. I don't like what I've seen out of this 49ers offense fully. Last week on Sunday Night Football against the Broncos, I mean, Jimmy G, he had plenty more opportunities to get Debo Samuel the ball, and it just didn't happen. He definitely held back that offense last week. Need to see some improvement from them this week. Number eight, I have Mike Evans against Kansas City. Mike Evans suspended last week due to the altercation that he had with Marshawn Lattimore. Fully rested, got a week off coming against coming up against that KC secondary who has been leaky for the past couple of seasons. So, and Tom Brady fully expect him to look his way after the weapons that he's had for the past couple of weeks. Devontae Adams coming in at number seven here against Denver. Previously mentioned, you know, quiet past couple of weeks for him, but he's still Devontae Adams. He's still going to get a high volume of targets, and it's only a matter of time before he starts turning that into production again. So. I think Devontae Adams will be a big part of the game plan this week. Number six, Jamar Chase against Miami. Pretty tough matchup for Chase again. That Miami secondary, they are not friendly to wide receivers. Xavier Howard, cornerback one, will most likely be shadowing Jamar Chase. But, you know, Jamar Chase, he has weak winning upside anytime he steps on the field. I think him and Burrow will get it going on primetime a little bit on Thursday Night Football. Number five, A.J. Brown against Jacksonville. Ever since his week one explosion, he's shown consistency. He's shown that he doesn't need to have a huge game to put up solid numbers for fantasy managers. I feel like this could be another game where he explodes, very similar to week one. Jacksonville, kind of a leaky secondary. Jalen Hurts, A.J. Brown, they have that connection. I think Hurts will get it to Brown early and often this week. Number four, Tyreek Hill against the Bengals. Tyreek Hill, weak winning upside. 
he as shown in week two against the Baltimore Ravens. And I think on prime time with both of these receivers, Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle, I think two is going to get him going. I think he's going to feed him the ball. I think they're both going to have great games. Now we enter the top three, Justin Jefferson against the Saints at number three. Wow. Justin Jefferson, a tough matchup with the Saints, but at the end of the day, folks, he is Justin Jefferson. He has proven that he is one of the best receivers in the NFL in his first two seasons in the league. Quiet past couple of weeks. I'm expecting him to be the focal point of the game plan over in London, especially if Dalvin Cook is out. Uh, Number two, Stephon Diggs coming up against Baltimore. Stephon Diggs has been one of, if not the best receiver in fantasy football so far this season. Baltimore's secondary, they've been pretty bad this season, letting up a lot of, letting wide receivers have pretty big games against them. No reason why Stephon Diggs wouldn't be able to continue that trend. Number one, I have Cooper Cup against the San Francisco 49ers. He has continued his hot stretch from last season into this year, showing no signs of going anywhere. So as long as Cooper Cup is on the field with Matthew Stafford, you can expect him to hog targets. Let's hop into some more pass-catching action here. Tight ends, you know, the tight end position in fantasy football, it's pretty volatile. You're not really going to have many options to have true tight end ones. So we're going to do a top seven for tight ends this week. So, Jack, take it away with your top seven tight ends. Uh, I don't care who he's playing. Mark Andrews, number one. I mean, Mark Andrews, he's been doing well. It's Lamar Jackson's favorite target. And uh, you, Mark Andrews has to be a must-start if he's in your lineup. If he's on your bench, I don't. you got to trade him or put him in and trade your other guy that you got over him. So you got to start Andrews. Uh, I do like Kelsey over Tampa Bay. I don't I like Tampa Bay's defense. I just don't think they guard their line their linebackers are great pass rushers. They don't guard the tight end uh, as well as they should. And I think that Mahomes will take advantage of that. Uh I do like Darren Waller. He hasn't breaking out quite yet yet, but um Darren Waller, he's going against Denver uh, and I think that uh it's a division rival, so I think they'll be able to somewhat exposed the Broncos' defense as they performed well against San Francisco. Um, but I think he'll probably have, for for once, a, a good breakout start uh, for the uh, the Vegas Raiders. So I do really like um, Hawkinson. I mean, he's questionable right now, but I think if he plays, it's against Seattle. I mean, he's got to have – he's a consistent guy to get you a high single-digit, uh, low uh, double-digit games – um, you gotta honestly rely on him if you have him in a, um, in a, a like a twelve-person league or something, and uh, he he can probably do really consistent for um, for the uh, for the Lions and your fantasy squad. Uh, I do like Injoku. I mean the Brissett. I mean Brissett doesn't rely on a lot of his receivers. I mean he relies on Cooper uh, sometimes, but. Uh, if a quarterback is is scared of of throwing it downfield, they're going to throw it to their tight end, as Wentz did with Zach Ertz. So uh, I think Njoku will be uh, a good start for your squad. And I do like Goddard. I mean, Goddard you got to have in any league. And I like Conklin as well. I mean, Conklin's been on the come up. He's the tight end three throughout entire fantasy, and, and he's been doing great for that Jets. I mean, Joe Flacco, if he's in trouble, he just dumps it off to Conklin. So you got to put Conklin in as well um, to uh, just to have a good chance at winning uh, in this week. So, 
Yeah, not much of a difference in my list. Tight ends, as mentioned, everyone pretty much knows who the studs are. Number one and two, I have Mark Andrews and Travis Kelsey. I mean, yeah. they're the undisputed first and second best. Not even first and second, the 1A and 1B type in fantasy football this season, the two top dogs. Number three, I have Dallas Goddard as a top three tight end this week coming up against Jacksonville. You saw the Eagles get them get him a little more involved in their previous game against the Commanders before Goddard exited with an injury. He scored his first touchdown of the season. I'm expecting that to continue this week against Jacksonville. You know, Jacksonville's defense has been pretty good this season, but still think the Eagles and Nick Sirianni will find ways to exploit their defense. Number four, I have Darren Waller against Denver. Derek Carr, in order to get more defensive attention shifted off of Adams, he needs to get his other weapons involved. And that all starts with Darren Waller. I mean, an absolute beast. He's proven it the past few seasons here, so I, I expect him to get going. Number five, I have Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts, we saw some improvement from him in week three from back-to-back weeks to start the season with two catches less than 20 yards. Last week, he had five catches for 80-plus yards, so a step in the right direction. Coming up against Cleveland here, I don't think it's a horrible matchup, but, I mean, if you have Kyle Pitts on your team, you're most likely starting him. You most likely don't have any better options that have more upside than Kyle Pitts. Uh, Number six, I have George Kittle. Just returned from injury last week, facing off against the Rams this week. Not really a great matchup, but as Kittle gets more and more reps under his belt here, I think he'll start to do better and better for fantasy managers. Number seven, I completely agree with your Tyler Conklin take. I mean, the dude has just been balling for the Jets. Who expected that? Tyler Conklin, one of the top streamers in fantasy football for tight ends on waivers. I think he has another top 10 finish this week against Pittsburgh. All right, one final position group to wrap this all up here. Jack, your top 10 quarterbacks of week four. Uh, Number one, Josh Allen. I mean, straightforward. They're playing the, the Ravens, not doing that great against uh, against the uh, against offenses. So I think Josh Allen will be a great uh, start if you have him. Uh, I do like Jalen Hurts. He's been doing fantastic this entire for the past three weeks, and I think he's going to display that once again against the Jaguars. Um, I I'm going to go back to Lamar Jackson. Um, I don't think he's going to do that great this week against the Bills. The Bills are great defense all around. And I don't think he's going to do that well. I have him at, uh, at like five. But going to number three, I'm going to put Burrow. I think Burrow will do really good against that Dolphins defense. They don't do um, – Dolphins defense uh, isn't the greatest. I think he's going to show up on prime time. I've got Tua at – four going against Cincinnati a lot of people are saying to sit him but I think that both teams are going to pop out in this Thursday night game I mean it's prime time you got to show up where when it's due so I think they're going to both realize that and then go have a have a day against each other then going back to Lamar Jackson as we mentioned I mean Bill's defense just doing dominant things this year doing great stuff and I think Lamar Jackson will have an average day I don't think he's going to pop off as he has been the past three weeks but I think he's going to be at like 20-some points uh, this week. Uh, I do like Kyler Murray against the Panthers. I got him at 6. Uh, he's It's it's the Panthers, and you're in Carolina. I mean, you got to have some sort of a good day against the Panthers uh, with a struggling team like that. 
Uh, I like Jared Goff against Seattle. Seattle has been a okay team defensively, but that Lions team offensively, even with Jamal Williams going to be your number one running back this week, I think Goff will step up a little bit as a quarterback and have more opportunities to throw downfield to St. Brown and DJ Chark and all those guys. Uh, I'd like Mariota against Cleveland. Um, they're home. They they're, they look comfortable home. And I think because of the comfortability, I think they're going to do well. And I think Mariota will step up a little bit and produce 20-plus uh, produce points this week. Um, I don't... I think Rodgers is going to do really good. Uh, he's playing against New England. That New England team is really struggling that week, uh, for these past few weeks, honestly. And they need to they need to step it up New England-wise. But uh, Aaron Rodgers will step up against a struggling uh, Patriot team. I don't want I don't want you guys to start him, but I would say that Geno Smith is going to do good against the Lions. Lions, I mean. Historically, they're not great defensively, and they've shown that a little bit this year. They've given up a lot of points defensively, and I think Geno Smith will have a breakout game for once uh, in this. And then I do think I want to put – I'm going to put Derek Carr in there. I'm going to put Derek Carr in there as well. Uh, I mean, it's Denver, uh, Derek Carr uh, and the, against the division rivals has done really, really well, and I think he's going to go off against Denver. And then Carson Wentz, I think he'll bounce back after – that rough week against the Eagles, and uh, they're playing in Dallas. He's played in Dallas a few times. You know how that crowd is, and uh, I think he's going to show up against Dallas and uh, try and make both teams 2-2. Two and two. So that's my top 10. Solid list. Got a lot of sleepers in there. I like it. All right, my list here, the number one quarterback of the week, I have Lamar Jackson. He's just been on an absolute tear for Baltimore in a contract year. Uh, potential shootout here. Coming up against Buffalo, Buffalo coming to Baltimore. Lamar Jackson has just simply looked like his MVP self, and I'm expecting him to continue that against Bal- against uh, Buffalo. Excuse me. Speaking of that game, number two, I have Josh Allen. Same situation, just uh, shootout potential against a leaky Baltimore secondary. Definitely expecting Josh Allen to continue what he's done so far this season and put up one of the top weeks for fantasy quarterbacks. Number three, Jalen Hurts against Jacksonville. I mean, that dual threat is just absolutely a cheat code for fantasy managers. And the fact that Jalen Hurts is actually starting to throw for 300-plus yards a game now is very scary for anyone who's facing him in fantasy. So Jacksonville, a pretty good matchup too. So Jalen Hurts definitely cracks the top three this week. Number four, I like Justin Herbert in a bounce-back situation against the Texans. Texans defense, you know, pretty suspect. And after last week, the Chargers got embarrassed by Jacksonville. Definitely expecting just a full bounce back from them this week against the lowly Texans. Justin Herbert included, you know, he's getting more healthy from that rib injury that he suffered. So, Justin Herbert, big bounce back, top five week for him. Number five, I have Kyler Murray against Carolina. Kyler Murray has been slinging it. He's been putting up numbers for fantasy managers all season. Definitely expecting that to continue. Not really the best matchup. Carolina's defense has been pretty stingy, but Kyler Murray just an absolute beast in fantasy. So got to slide him in the top five. Number f- number six, excuse me. I have Patrick Mahomes against Tampa. Mainly, main reason he's so low is just because of the matchup here. Tampa Bay's defense <laughs> has been carrying them so far to start off the season with. You know, their weapons hurt for Tom Brady. The defense has had to step up a little bit, and they have. 
and I feel like they'll be ready for Mahomes and the Chiefs this week. So Mahomes, borderline top five quarterback. Number seven, I have Joe Burrow against Miami. Burrow saw a bit of a step in the right direction last week against the Jets, expecting him to continue to take more steps in the right direction this week against the Dolphins. Coming in at number eight here, I have Tom Brady against Kansas City. Tom Brady getting his number one weapon back in Mike Evans. So that'll definitely boost his fantasy outlook. KC's secondary, you know, not the strongest. It's a little leaky. So expecting Tom Brady to have a little bit of a bounce back here this week. Coming in at number nine, I have Tua Tagovailoa. You just have to respect the guy. You have to put him in the top ten with what he's been able to do this season. It's been pretty remarkable. It, I'm sure a lot of people expected a jump, but not that much of a jump that we've seen. A jump to a you know borderline top three quarterback in fantasy football. So to a Cincinnati Bengals defense, it's uh it's not the strongest, but it's not the weakest either. Definitely expecting Tua and the weapons that he has to exploit them a little bit in another potential shootout. And then coming in at number 10, cracking the top 10, I have Aaron Rodgers against New England. Rodgers, ever since the their week one blunder, Rodgers has been taking steps in the right direction. Rodgers and the offense as a whole. Last week we saw Romeo Dobbs get more involved, maybe establishing himself as Aaron Rodgers' top target. So Rodgers, you know, getting more comfortable with his new offensive weapons. I think that that offense will have a day against New England and win that game pretty handily. All right, everybody. That is just about all the time that we have for today. This is Gridiron Forecast, a fantasy football podcast. I'm your host, Nick Rizzo, alongside my partner today, Jack Miller. Thank you all for listening. Thank you all for tuning in right here on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. Stay tuned next week for all of our reactions from week four of fantasy football. Thank you all very much and have a great night. You've been listening to Gridiron Forecast with your host, Nick Rizzo. Make sure to tune in weekly for new episodes. You can find Gridiron Forecast in every Rowan Radio sports podcast by searching Rowan Radio On Demand Sports wherever you find your podcasts.